The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph too went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over the flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We find ourselves tonight at another Easter vigil, preparing for the birth of the Lord. And we can be excused, I suppose, for a kind of staleness, a kind of threadbare uh, approach. We've heard it all. We know it all. What, what can we possibly do or think or say that would make a difference in our lives? I would like to suggest to you or ask you, please, to do a thought experiment. What I'd like you to do is to flip perspectives, if you would not look at this night, this vigil, from your perspective, 
but look at it from the perspective of Almighty God. Not your perspective, but from the perspective of Almighty God. Because you see, God has been at Advent and Vigil for a long time, much longer than we have been. Many, 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 many millennia. In fact, God's season of Advent actually begun in the Garden of Eden with the tragic disobedience of our first parents and the banishment from Eden. But we need to be clear that the banishment was not an abandonment. The banishment was not an abandonment. Because right from the very beginning, when they are banished from the garden, there is also a promise. There's also a hint of a good news. That the head of the serpent would be crushed and the ravages and the tragedy of sin would be overcome. And so God enters the long, long road of history, beginning with the Israelites and the ups and downs that all of that involved, the establishing of a covenant, the breaking of the covenant, the keeping of the covenant, the drifting away, the coming back, the need to send the prophets, great signs and wonders taking place. And finally, as the scripture says, God's advent had reached a point where it was in the phrase of St. Paul and in Acts of the Apostles as well, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God made the decision in his wisdom and in his will, it is now time for me to enter human history and above all, to enter into the human condition as I have never entered before. And the question arises, how would God enter our condition and our history? How, how would he do it? What is the manner? Would it be with more signs and wonders, smoke-filled mountain, a bush that burns but is not consumed. It is volcanoes and thunder and lightning. Is it spectacular, unexpected victories over a more powerful enemy? Is it the parting of the Red Sea and swallowing the chariots and charioteers? Is it the raining of manna from, from the heavens as they're wandering in the desert? What spectacular display would Almighty God, in this definitive entry into our lives, into the human condition, into human nature, fully human and fully God, and into our history, where at that moment, our understanding of what it means to be human, fulfilled as a human, and the fulfillment of our history as human beings, is revealed. 
And how does God do it? God enters in the form of a child. A child with all of its vulnerabilities, all of its need, all of those things where the child simply holds its arms out because the child is in need and is helpless. And he comes so in the most unexpected place, a place of no great repute, to parents that are basically unknown, of no great note. He can't even get a room, even at the Red Roof Inn, he can't get a room. Now you know, that's bad. Um, And he comes into that, into the poverty, the vulnerability, and the weakness. Why does he do that? Because God does not desire to overwhelm us with his awe. God does not want our fear. God wants something much more important. God wants you to love God back freely. Not love him because you're afraid. Not love him because you're impressed but to love God because God loves you uniquely. And God loves each and every one of us as if we are the only one. And so God assumes, assumes our very human condition and he's born in a particular place, in a particular time, to particular people. Because God is not a God of coercion. He's not a God of force. He's not a God who seeks to overwhelm us or to dazzle us. Because then we would not be giving freely what God most desires. Our free response in love to his love. The world finds this difficult to understand because you see, The world has a love affair with power, but in the child, you see the power of love. And you have to ask yourself, which endures the most? Which is the more powerful, that love of power or the power of love? Caesar is long assigned to history. Jesus Christ is still declared Lord and Savior. God does not come to us in the understanding of glory and power in the normal sense of the term. God's long advent, God's long waiting, watching, wondering, and wonder takes place in a stable in Bethlehem, in swaddling clothes, in awful conditions, because he comes to save us from what sin has done to us, impoverish us, empty us, scar us, and above all, keep us from that which fulfills our whole being, 
that loving relationship with Almighty God. It's hard for we moderns to wrap our head around that. We are so dazzled by the flash and the boom and the bang of everyday life. Um, there was, and I may have referenced this once before to some of you, a story that I would like to briefly tell you. And if I have said it already and you've heard it, uh, it's one of the advantages of having more gray hair than gray matter in your head. So what you say, so what you say, um, you know, you can be forgiven if you say it again. Back in the early 20th century, there was a young artist, a struggling young artist in Paris. And he was trying to break in, get the big break, to get his work noticed and appreciated. Very difficult. And he was on the edge of just giving up. And by God's grace, he received an invitation that there happened to be a cancellation in an opening space in one of the most prestigious art galleries in Paris. And they had a mutual friend, and he told the proprietor that he was available and was the kind of last-minute thing. So he comes and he says, but you can only show one painting. He said, I only have space for one. Because he had a whole pile of paintings that just went unviewed. So he goes the night of the opening and he has his artwork displayed out there. And the art piece that he chose was the picture familiar to you of Jesus Christ knocking at the door? Many of you have seen it. Jesus knocking at the door. And he's got it up there. And who walks in is one of the more renowned art critics in Paris and really worldwide who could make or break you. And as he's making the rounds, he notices this young artist whom he doesn't recognize, his painting. And he goes over there and he's looking at the painting. He's looking at it up close. He stands back to get perspective, artistic perspective. And as the more he looks at it, he starts to frown like he had been teethed on uh, pickles and uh, lemonade. And he's looking at it and he's squinching. And then he begins to shake his head. And the poor artist, the young artist is standing there and he's crumbling by the moment at this. And the critic says, Who's, uh, who's, whose work is this? And the young artist kind of sheepishly says, it's mine, monsieur. And he says, this, this painting, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. He says, it's, it's missing. It's missing something. And the young artist says, well, what, what's, 
what's missing? He says, don't, don't you understand? I look at this picture, and there is no knob on the outside of the door. I can't open it and get in. He said, don't you understand that you need that? And the young artist says, you may know something about doors, but you know very little about Jesus Christ. He said, the door is the human heart. And it has no handle, no knob on the outside. Because it can only be opened from the inside. Jesus knocks again and again and again. But it cannot be forced open. It cannot be kicked in. It cannot be busted down with a ramrod. It can only be opened freely by you and me, and not by anyone else. So this evening, we find ourselves with Almighty God still in Advent. Once again, at this hour, in this place, at this time, Jesus Christ is knocking at the door of our own hearts. But only we can let him in. Only we can open the door from the inside. Jesus does not force his way in. And once again, we can continue God's advent, God's waiting, watching, wondering if we will turn the knob from the inside and let him in. This is really the awesomeness of this night, that the God who is the foundation and of all that exists comes in the child and stands at the door knocking, waiting for us to open the door. Is this the night in which we have changed not only perspectives, but we've also changed our hearts? We've also opened the door and ended Jesus' long advent. Is this the night in which we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come be born in me, so that I may be reborn in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.